podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Join us for the very first IFL Live at London's Indigo at the O2, Sunday, August the 13th, with me, Coogan Cassius, and some very special guests, Eddie Hearn, Darren Barker, Johnny Fisher, and more. Tickets now on sale. So in the words of Eddie Hearn... You get up, you dress up, and you fucking show up. This is Umar Ahmed for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. I'm at the headquarters of Frank Warren after a very explosive weekend on TNT Sports. We'll talk about everything that happened on the weekend. Let's start with your card in Telford. Um, Liam Davis couldn't have made more of a statement if he tried. I'll tell you what, it was very appropriate being on TNT, wasn't it? It was very explosive. That first round, um, I mean, he just set about him, didn't he? He's a good fire scene, Jason, who's a tough guy who's uh, got, you know, we all know what his pedigree is, and uh, he just wasn't in it. I mean, as soon as, that, as, soon as he, that bell went, he got down on it, and the referee was quite right to stop the fight because he wasn't firing back. Um, tremendous stoppage, tremendous, and that's a big statement. What's he now, 14-0? and 0? And uh, you look at all the belts he's won and the titles he's won in a very short space of time. It's fantastic, fantastic achievement. With wins over Baluta and now a first-round stoppage of Jason Cunningham, he's... On fringe world level, isn't he, Liam? Well, that well, he is world ranked. He's ranked in a few of the governing bodies. There's some big fights to be made now with him, and there's some great domestic fights. And I think we're just, you know, we're going to, as we have been behind him, we're going to get get behind him. We're going to make sure these fights happen. Dennis McCann was in Telford. Obviously, he's got a huge fight coming up for himself, which he's got to focus on against Baluta on, on August 18th at your call. But natural for the the winner of that fight to fight Liam Frank at the end of the year. Yeah, uh, well, again, it's a big fight. And uh, if Dennis comes through, which Dennis, I think he will do, but he's got to make a statement too. Baluta's a, a good operator, as we all know, very good fighter. Um, and I think that's going to be a cracker. But, but looking at Dennis and the shape he's in and the fact he went up there and you know he's, he's showing that interest in his opponents uh, tells me a lot about his desire too. So when that fight eventually is made, it's going to be something, I think, really something special. And we've got to make it at the right time so that they can both earn big money from it and that the public know who both of them are. I don't just want to make a fight that's a great trade fight. I want it to be a fight that the public know who these guys are and what they're all about. Do you think we're going to learn a lot about Dennis McCann against Baluta? I do. I mean, I'll, listen, I'm a believer in Dennis. I'm a big, big believer in him, you know that. Um, but this fight, hopefully, will any of the... If there are any doubters out there, we'll, uh, we'll show what he's about. Frank, what did you make of uh, Moses Salmer's win? I thought he did what he had to do. Those last 20 seconds of the sixth round when he set about him, I'd like to see him do that earlier. But um, look, he's 18. He's 18 and he's coming through. And, and he's not going to get opponents. I'm not making matches for him where the guys are going to all stand in front of him to be banged over. He's going to get guys who are awkward and sometimes they won't come to fight. Because as you move on in, in, the, in your career, you fight guys at a higher level who are like that, you know, who come and give you, give you, you know, uh, who don't, or, you know, don't want to fight or don't expose themselves or won't throw the shots and make it difficult for you. But you've got to then have the key to open that door. And uh, he's more than capable of doing that. And at the end of the day, he showed what he's all about in, the, in, in how he finished the fight. Mm. Were you a little bit frustrated with the opponent? Didn't really come to fight? No, but that happens. Uh, look, let's get it right. You know, when he's calling the fella out to the centre ring, that's his frustration. 
Now, if I'm the, if I'm the fighter, why am I going to do that? What, you want me to have a tear-up with you in the centre ring, get knocked spark out? That ain't going to happen. I'm going to try and fiddle, fiddle you around, frustrate you and beat you. And he was frustrating him at times, but you learn from that. And I understand his frustration, but that is part of the game. As I say, he's, he's 18 years of age. You know, he's a baby as far as the heavyweight division is concerned at the moment. But we will, he's out again on the, uh, on the show uh, at, uh, at Wembley. Zang Joyce 2 card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'll be on that. And I'm looking forward to seeing him in action again and uh, be part of his progression. If we're going to just keep him busy. I spoke to your son Francis, obviously manages Moses, and he said that an English title at the start of next year, early next year, is realistic for Moses. Yeah, I think so too. Maybe this year, the end of this year, we'll see. Okay. Um, anything else you want to add from, from the card? Any notable wins uh, from Saturday? No, I thought, I thought it was a cracking fight. for um, What's his name? Um, uh, Ethan James. Ethan James. I thought he boxed absolutely brilliantly. That is the art of boxing, hitting and not being hit and frustrating the guy. He absolutely frustrated his opponent and I thought he'd done extremely well. I mean, that was a tremendous performance. Okay. And then uh, going over to Las Vegas, obviously that was on TNT Sports Box Office. Probably one of the best, not even boxing performance, sporting performances I've seen in recent times. What did you make of Terence Crawford's win? That was a consummate Southpaw performance with Crawford. Look, he's, he's a great fighter, Terence Crawford. There's no doubt about that. And he was in with a, 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 guy, a guy, a very good fighter, who he just took to school. I mean, he took him to school. Brilliant performance. Um, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a tremendous fighter. There's no doubt about that. He's gone to pound for pound number one this morning, officially. Yeah, well, I don't know what that is, pound for pound. <laughs> You've never been know. a fan of that, have you? No, I haven't. I don't know what it means. <laughs> Somebody explain to me what it means. I don't get it. I mean, look, I, you know, it's fighters who you watch and you say, well, he's a great... You, know, in this, in this, you know, in the world, there's five good fighters here and... You know, they're great fighters. You know, they, I don't know how you distinguish them. You can only be your favourites at the end of the day. I don't know what pound for pound means. I take you didn't stay up for it, though, Frank. Of course I did. I'm not that old. <laughs> I had me cocoa. I had me cocoa and uh, sat there and dipped uh, dip me biscuits in it. And that was it. I watched it, yeah. OK. Let's move on uh, to the heavyweight division. Uh, I've spoke to you about Fury and Garner in the initial response, which you, you're well aware of, Frank. Um, now... Sort of the dust has settled on that. Um, your your thoughts and feelings about Fury and Garner in Saudi Arabia? It's going to be a huge event. I'm telling you, everybody, and I'll be proved right about this, come the week of the fight, everybody, but everybody will be talking about it. I'm not talking about the haters or the, the boxing audience. I'm talking about the general public. And that's what this is about. This is a massive, massive event. And the market in this event is, is something that's going to make your eyes eyes fall out. You're going to look at it and you think, so my God, what is going on here? This is huge. It will be a huge event. The biggest event I've ever been involved in. It's a strong statement. It's a strong Considering statement. Considering what you've been involved with. Yeah, and I've been involved with, with you know, masses and masses of big fights over here. But as an event, this is going to be huge. It will be huge. Fury and Garner was talked about uh, on an interview with Piers Morgan quite heavily which got a lot of traction uh, Eddie was the guest uh, I just want to get your thoughts on, on some of these comments so I'll read out his quote to Piers Morgan Tyson Fury turned down the Alexander Usyk fight the most important fight in boxing to fight an MMA fighter who's never had a fight before in his life in Saudi Arabia we've got to be honest Tyson Fury cares about one thing only the money right um I didn't. I didn't um, only see part of it. 
because I can't be listening to some of it, to be honest, but you just said how it is. So let's just answer that in real... That is a lie. That's a blatant lie from Hearn. But then again, Tom Pepper, that's all he ever does. I'm surprised he's not got a 14-foot nose by now. When you... Um, and I think I've done an interview with you a couple of weeks ago where I said, can somebody show me the offer that Tyson Fury turned down for this fight? Where is it? I've never seen it. Where is the offer that he's turned down? There's been no offer made this year. Nothing whatsoever. An offer was made last year and then they couldn't do the fight because the venue wasn't going to be ready. We have had no offer this year. If somebody shows me that offer... I will don donate £1 million to the Ukraine. Relief. Show me the offer. So he's not turned down anything because there wasn't anything to turn down. The only people who've made offers is us, written offers, to Usyk's team. You was there with Krasik and I've done that round table with him, which would be on BT before the fight with Daniel, and I took it up with him. You'll see it on, on that interview. And I asked him, I said, where is the offer? You said you keep making. What did he say? Well, there isn't one. It's that was me. Where's the offer? I say, well, there it is. Look, there's the offer. I made him writing to you. There isn't any offer whatsoever. So Hearn's an out-and-out -out liar, and he does that that can keep, keep confusing the situation. Does, does Tyson like money? Of course he does. He's a professional boxer. That's what he does for a living. Does Hearn like money? Of course he does. That's all he ever talks about, how much they got in the bank and what they're worth and so forth. And when you think about it, what was going to be a massive, massive event this year? A massive event. We want to get it on. It's a massive event. We want to make AJ against Nagano. Did he not say that? He did. He did, did, did he say that? He did. Uh, and he discussed this with Piers Morgan. So this is what he said to Piers Morgan about that. So... Uh, Eddie Hearn and what Anthony Joshua told him when they discussed the potential Francis Ngannou fight before Tyson Fury got it. This is what Eddie said. He went, absolutely no interest at all. I want to become heavyweight world champion again. I've got no interest in fighting Francis Ngannou. That was Joshua to Hearn. And that's when he told him this last, what was that, last April? What it was, was about it? last April, the interview, wasn't it? I can't quite remember. Well, let's say it was, just for argument's sake. And so why didn't he fight Tyson on a 60-40 basis? Why is he fighting? Why did he fight the guy he fought as of what he called a warm-up fight, and why is he fighting Dillian White? He was offered 60-40. If he wanted to fight for the world title, why didn't he do it? He's already been by Usyk twice. We offered him that fight. Again, it's Eddie Hearn, as usual, adding another six inches on his nose. Right, OK. Move on to uh, someone else who's been talking about you, uh, Carl Froch. Um, oh, he's God, had... have I got a... the frock? The frock. He's had his say on, on Fury and Garner as well. Um, this is what he said. It's another crossover fight, load of rubbish. He, Frank Warren, is on about the game's changed, absolute load of shit. We don't want to see that fight. We want to see Fury in there with Alexander Usyk. That's what Froch said. Um, is that the f same Cole Froch who want to fight Jake Paul? Yes. Okay. Right, next question. <laughs> well, carrying on with Cole, uh, separate away from Tyson Fury. Uh, you, you actually did an interview uh, with me about Carl and, and the Calzaghi fight, yeah. which didn't happen. Uh, he went on TalkSport and talked about this. I drove to London to speak to Frank Warren. He told me to forget about fighting Calzaghi. It's slander on my name. I'm surprised someone of his age would come out with these pure lies. He drove to London. He's battered old car, he said, didn't he? Because I've got... I mean, I've, you know, you told me 
this, so I've, I've got, got the quote. Um, the only reason I went down to London, a three-hour drive, because I was the mandatory for the belt. So why would I go down if I didn't want to fight him? It's rubbish. That's what he says, yeah. So we had that meeting on the 12th of July in 2006, according to my diary. At that time, Joe was the IBF and WBO world champion. He beat Lacey on the 4th of March in 2006, and Frock was run, ranked number 10 in the IBF in March 2006. At the time of meeting Frock, he was the British and Commonwealth champion. I'm looking at notes here, because I have to write this down, because I'm an old geezer. <laughs> IBF number seven, WBO, he was ranked about number, I think he was ranked number three, and in the WBC, he was ranked number three. He wasn't mandatory to Joe Kawasaki at all. Using his phrase, his word, he's a liar. So go and get, dig the ratings out. I've got them here, if you like. I'll send them to him. He was never the mandatory when he came down to fight. Um, March, two, that was, let's say March 2007, he was number two. In April 2007, at number three, he was calling for an eliminator. He weren't calling for a fight with Joe Kawasaki. Because if you're the mandatory, unless somebody can show me any... Any, any quotes or anything, where, or any letters that he wrote asking as a mandatory to fight Joe Kawasaki when he came down to meet me, then I'll, I'll apologise to him. But there aren't, there aren't any, because he wasn't mandatory and he weren't asking for it. He's met, he, he was calling for an eliminator against Dennis Inkin. So he could become a mandatory, so the winner would become a mandatory. At the time... The last mandatory defence by Kawasaki was against Jeff Lacey, which is in March 2006. So he had a year anyway, roughly a year before he's due a number. But he was not the mandatory, so that's a nonsense. It didn't become uh, mandatory until September 2007. So that's well over a year after that. It was about 15 months later. And in November uh, 2007... Uh, they had the uh, they had the final eliminator against Inkin, with the winner to fight to fight Joe Kawasaki. That is what happened. They're facts. They're not in his mind. They are facts. You can go and check them out, or if anyone wants to look at it, I'll stick all this paperwork up so they can look at it on our website. Joe Kawasaki, after the meeting with Joe, with with Frock, who by the way offered him his career career best ever purse, which if you put his last four purses before he fought before. I made the offer. You put them all together, and it was still more money than he'd ever earned, what I offered him. But he didn't want it, and all he kept saying to me was, when, when is Joey going up in weight? That's what he kept asking me. When is he fighting at light, light, uh, heavyweight? Um, then Joe went on and fought in October 2006. He fought uh, Beaker. Good fight in Beaker. Remember Beaker had yep, him on the floor Beaker, in that yep. fight? Then he relinquished his IBF title, Joe, rather than fight Robert Stiglitz, because... It was a, we were looking for a different fight. He then fought Manfredo, and then he fought Mikel Kessler in 2007 in a unification fight at Cardiff. Um, massive turnout and a great, great fight. A real good cows, real, real good fight. And if you think about Carl, who fought Kessler, he got beat by Kessler in 2010. Three years later, he always talks about how he beat Kessler. He forgets about when Kessler beat him. He fought Kessler and beat him in 2013, which was six years after Joe beat Kessler. And I don't think Kessler was the same fighter, by the way, after he fought Joe. Um, Joe relinquished his WBC super middleweight belt in 2008, not six, rather than fight. In 2008, and he fought then uh, Roy Jones. Sorry, he fought light heavyweight ring belt. Before that, he fought Hopkins. Yeah. Um, and I'd done the fight at Planet Hollywood with my mate, 
who owns it, um, Robert Earl. So that was all. That was a sequence of fights. That's what happened. And I say when he when we met in 2006, he was the, he was the, he had the British. He had the he fought in November 24th 2006. He fought Tony Dodson. That's who Carl Frock fought. Then he had the IBF Eliminator, and uh, I, as I say, he was he weren't a champion anymore. But then he fought Robin Reed and Riaki. That's what he did. And then he signed with Matchroom in 2011. And then he called Bernard Hopkins, an old, uh, Joe beat an old man, Bernard Hopkins. Well, Bernard Hopkins, after he, after he got beat by Joe Kowalski, fought the big American star at the time, undefeated, Kelly Pavlik, and beat him, the old man. Beat him. Then he beat Roy Jones again. Then he, then he fought Pascal. He, there was a no contest. And then he beat Cat Pascal, same Pascal who Carl fought. And then he beat Tavoris... Uh, Tavoris um, Sorry, I'm going backwards. Then he fought McLeod. Then he fought um, Shumanov. And then he fought Kovalev and lost to Kovalev. And he was an old man when he was fighting those two. No doubt about that. But that old man, one person who didn't fight that old man was Carl. He chose not to fight him. He was offered that fight and didn't take it. But the fact of the matter is, all I've told you is the truth. 2006, when we met, he was not the mandatory... He's a liar. Sue me. Okay. And you keep on telling lies, you have to, have to get your nose done again. Wind up like an half-chewed wine gun the way you're going on. Okay. Uh, let's move on to what happened on TalkSport between you and Adam Catrell. What was that all about? I don't know. He's, he, 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 I, I like Adam. I mean, I've done a podcast with him for, you know, for quite a while. We did a series, very good series of podcasts. At the end of the day, the, the problem was that um, he keeps back, he's got it in his head, you know, he's, he's got it entitled to his opinion. And I said to him, if you feel so strongly about what you're saying, then make sure you don't get involved or do any, basically, do any, have anything to do with a fight. I said, because you slagged off when Tyson, Mike Tyson was having his fight and you wound up, beca- wind up being the host. On the, so, so it's so much for your principles. If you're going to have principles, then don't take the money. You're saying, why is Tyson doing it? He's doing it for the money. Of course he's doing it for the money. He's getting paid a truckload of money to do it. To fight a guy who's the top of his, top of his game in another sport. He's not some old man. He's not an old man. He's an active sportsman who's the top of his game. And as I'm, I'm not going to make, go on banging on about what a big event it's going to be, but please stop, keep saying this stuff, and then you show up and take, and take, and take the money yourself. What, do you think you'll cover it for TalkSport? No. OK, OK, let's just go through your schedule. Um, yeah, TalkSport haven't got it at the moment. OK. We shall see what happens with that. Yeah, we'll let's, let's talk about um, your schedule. We've discussed McCann Baluta on August 18th uh, at your call. Then we move on to another box office fight in Poland. Yeah. Between Alexander Rusik and Daniel Zibois. <coughs> You're getting yeah. more confident by the day goes on? Look, it's not... For me, Daniel's got the tools to do this. He's young. He's got, he's, he has got speed. He's got a fantastic jab. And he's, got, he's, got, he's a, got a big punch in both hands. He's a powerful puncher. Um, I just feel that it's his moment. Is his temperament going to be right for that fight? That's all it's going to be about. And I think he has got the temperament to win it. I think he's got the, the winning mentality to win this fight. Did you see Moses Atalma's comments about sparring Daniel Dubois recently in Spain? No, I didn't. What did he say? Um, 
he didn't, I can't remember who he did the interview with, but it was one of the papers and he said, you know, he sparred everyone in terms of Anthony Joshua, Joe Joyce. Um, he sparred the lot, uh, Fraser Clark, and he said the hardest spy he's ever had was, was Daniel Dubois. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't see that and I never heard that. Well, that, that that's, that's, uh, that's encouraging. That's, inter that's interesting. Well, it's not, I don't need to be encouraging <laughs> because I wasn't allowed him to make the fight. We make, we make, what we did, we moved our man through the rankings to get him into that position to become the WBA regular champion. That's what we worked hard on to do, to make this fight happen. That's what we've done. Steps aside, but we didn't. We want the fight, and he wants the fight. And I believe he can win it. And I really do believe he can win it. And I've got my... Um, listen, I've been wrong in the past, but I've been right a lot of times as well. And the <laughs> one thing's to sure, on the 26th, we're going to know. When you look at TNT, if you're not going to Poland, you're going to see, is Warren right or wrong? If you guys do pull off the... The major shock and, and shock world boxing. You're going to be all right to get out of Poland in one piece. Get the Poland. No, Poland. get out of Poland. Get back yeah, in. We're, <laughs> we're, we're big. We're all. We're all. Uh, we're all. We're all. We're, we, we love. We love everybody. We're not haters. We love everybody. Um, and then we move on to a huge heavyweight fight for Joe Joyce. It's yeah. some people saying it's career on the line on September 25th. I, 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 you know, look, it is. He, he can't. He doesn't. Look, to get beat is not the end of the world. You can come back again. But to be at the top table, he needs to win this fight. He needs to win it. He needs to get that title back, which makes him the mandatory to the winner of um, the fight between Usyk and Daniel. Um, so he needs to be there for it. And, and he needs to win the fight. And I think if he makes some slight adjustments, I think he can do that. He was hampered by a real bad eye injury that obviously... Uh, Zhang found that target, and because his eye was closing up, he kept catching catching it, and made it, and it just got deteriorated. It made it worse and affected him. Um, but now, he's got the, as I say, he's he's he can he's got the uh, he has the the knowledge of what it's like to be in there with him. He's felt he's felt Zhang's power, and he knows what he has to do to beat him. And I think that if it goes, if the fight goes into the latter rounds, I think he will win the fight. On that undercard, you announced Anthony Yard's return. Yeah. Um, who's had two great world title challenges, and then he did it in Russia yeah. against Kobolev, yeah. yeah. and then went up against a pound-for-pound pound top fight, and better be and, and it was a back-and-forth fight and did really yeah. well. Um, he goes in against Ricky Summers. There's been criticism about his matchmaking. Um, so How can you criticise his matchmaking? Well, the, the, the criticism has been the disparity of levels he's going from. So you're going from you're doing your, like your Kovalevs and your better beers, which is the top of the top of the sport, yeah. and Pre that, he, people feel like he didn't really have a test and then he's coming back down to, no disrespect to Ricky Summers, but probably English level. Well, it, the fact of the matter is he's been out for seven months and that's a fight back. I, you know, I, 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 I don't understand that. Well, before he, if he has another world title shot next year, we hope, yeah. he's going to have a, a big step up before that. Well, he's had a big step up in fighting the two champions, hasn't he? But, he's, he's, but I think... If he goes from Ricky Summers to another world title shot, could the, could that not be an issue, Frank? Why? Because you're just jumping up and down from the top of the sport. Jumping so. up and down. I mean, that's 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 boxing. I don't agree with that analogy whatsoever. You know, Kovalev, he should have won that fight. He should have won it. That, I mean, he didn't, and that's the record, and that's it. But he could have won that, and and he gave the other guy the toughest fight he's ever had. Um, and the way he fights. He's been matched really well. He's, I mean, he's had limited amateur experience. We've matched him really well. I mean, you can look at Boatsy, who's been 
to the Olympics. Uh, will he get a bronze medal? Bronze medal. And you look, he's come back. And look how he's been matching, our man's been matched. I think uh, we've done a better job. Looks like he's going to fight Dan Aziz next, Joshua Boetsy, which is a good domestic mm. fight. Anthony Yard with the, with the winner. Why didn't, they, why didn't he fight Anthony Yard when we offered it to him? But anyway, the winner to fight Anthony Yard? Yeah, that fight? I haven't got I mean, you know, not, not a problem with that. But the point I'm making is that he could have had that fight and we tried to make that fight. Just a couple of more things to round off uh, away from Queensbury. Have you seen the, the latest with Conor Ben and developments? Thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, it's all it's confusing for the fans. And you know, what did he? Act, what what actually happened in that hearing? Was was it the fact they found him not guilty, or overturned the fact that he tested positive, or did they say it was a procedure situation? I don't know. I'm hearing so many different stories. I'm hearing it was a procedure issue. And also, uh, you know, he's come out and said that um, it was the drug situation. Uh, sorry, that they overturned the drugs. I don't know. But what I do know is this has got to stop all this nonsense. Because the subterfuge, the fact that you can hide these things from the public who are buying tickets for a fight, that if you're a fighter, I've got my fighter, say, fighting a guy who's tested positive, I should know that. My fighter getting in the ring should know whether he's fighting someone who's taking performance-enhancing drugs. And from what I understand in that case, they certainly were unaware of the, so I'm told, were unaware of the first, um, first instance. And the second one, then obviously they decided they wanted to persevere with it. And quite rightly, the board stepped in and stopped it from happening. Um, for me, it's a total mess and something has to be done between the board and UCAD to stop where we're at here with this. It has to be more transparent. And I've been involved with fighters who've tested positive and been banned in the past. And, you know, they've served their bans or whatever's happened with them. I've been involved with a fighter in Teti, who people keep referring to, like we're hiding something. And I've said quite rightly, if he is test, if he's found to be guilty, then he has to accept the, the punishment. As everybody does, who t who does, who messes around with drugs and can't and cannot come up with the reason why it's in their system, and this thing's gone on for ages and ages and ages. Why? I've never known anything like it. Why has it taken so long? And at the end of the day, why did, why did, or how did they come about their result? That's what should be published. What the result? Why they come back right? Not just a, a, a short statement. People need to know. People in this sport need to know what's going on. Fighters need some direction as to what they can do and what they can't do. People must be made aware. And more importantly, as I said, if a fighter's positive, it should be made public. This privacy law is a nonsense for this. This is guys getting in the ring and putting their life on the line. You cannot have a privacy situation over that. It's wrong. No matter how you want to do it, no one can justify that about privacy. You take the drugs, you get found positive, you get tested positive. You can have that hearing as quickly as anything. Don't take a year or whatever, or two years and some of these things happen. Get it on, get the hearing on, and get it done and dealt with. Lastly, we've seen um, a lot of sports go to Saudi Arabia with the golf, boxing, very notably. You guys are doing it, October 28th. What we hadn't seen until just now was top Premier League players yeah. um, going to Saudi Arabia, which is happening now. I just want to get your thoughts on that. 
Well, look, you know, Saudi Arabia have, 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 I mean, they've, they've said they want to be a sports destination. They're moving their country into the, into the 21st century really fast. And they see sport as a, as, as, a, as a sport as a vehicle for them because they've got a major interest in sport. They're sports lovers. They've got, they've got to see that as a vehicle to make that a destination as a Vegas death type of destination without the gambling and all that goes with it. That's what it is. And they're, they're putting their money up and they're, they're investing heavily in it to, to bring, their, to bring their Saudi into the forefront of world sport. That's what they're doing. And that's brilliant for everybody. It's certainly brilliant for boxing. Now, does it distort the market? Is, can it distort the market? Yeah, it's, it, 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 it could in some ways, but it'll settle down at the end of the day. And people at the end of the day or sportsmen will make their decision what they want to do with their careers. But for me, it's, uh, it's easier for us to do a fight over there than it is in Vegas if you're a punter because you can watch it on the, more or less on the same timeline. So it's not such a... You, know, you haven't got to sit up till 5 o'clock in the morning waiting for a fight to happen like you do from Vegas. So over here, it's, it, it, it's brilliant. But they are seriously, seriously committed to their sport. They've got a very young population, a very, very young population over there. And uh, it's interesting times for everybody. Seeing Mbappe turn down a thousand pound a minute, it's a lot of money to turn down, isn't it? Has he turned? He's actually turned. He probably, probably will go there, but that uh, offer he refused. We, we will see. We will <laughs> but you wouldn't turn down a thousand pound a minute. No one, off, no one offers me a thousand pound a minute. <laughs> Frank Warren, thank you. you gonna, how much am I getting paid for this one? <laughs> Definitely not a thousand pound. Two thousand bob, pennies. Two bob an hour. <laughs> That's all it's worth, really. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time and uh, we'll speak soon. Join us for the very Sports Social Podcast Network.